Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach Bob Huggins. I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand uniforms during my time. Now listen, hey, this podcast, episode number seven, here's what you're going to hear. We're going to recap the Bearcats games versus UCF, Memphis, ECU, and Temple. Then we're going to preview the next three games, SMU, Houston, and Wichita State. Three very important games. We're also going to give out the Beast of the Week Award. I'm going to preview our interview with Ryan Fletcher. My social media, you can hit me up. Instagram, Twitter, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm also on Facebook, LinkedIn, Snapchat, you name it all, I'm on it. Hit me up. Got any requests, people you want to hear, people you want to hear me interview, be happy to do that. Uh, quick shout out, I will be on Mo Ager's show, uh, his radio show, which airs on uh, 1530 uh, ESPN. Uh, check that out. I'll be on Tuesday. Um, I also do a high school basketball report uh, here in Cincinnati. I'm on WLWT every Friday night and Saturday morning, so make sure you check me out on that. I appreciate all the feedback and um, positive comments regarding that. Now, January 31st, next uh, Friday coming up, the University of Cincinnati is going to host a celebration for Chuck Mayshock, the longtime radio host, uh, color commentator for the UC basketball program, also legendary coach, uh, played at uh, the University of Cincinnati back in, I believe, the late 50s is the right time frame. So uh, they're going to honor Chuck. I think uh, Bob Huggins is going to come back. I'm sure some former players will be in the house as well. Uh, last UC Bearcat home game, I went down to the radio broadcast table, uh, which has Terry Nelson, former UC legend, uh, Bearcat legend, uh, Dan Horde, uh, the voice of UC sports, and sh- shoot, <laughs> the voice of Cincinnati sports, and also Mo Egger, um, who produces a lot of the games. And I went down there, and they spent a lot of time with Chuck Mayshock, and um, I know the death of Chuck uh, really hit those guys pretty hard. So I got special shirts made for uh, the three of those guys, and the shirts said Chuck on them. And the CH and the K in Chuck uh, were in one color, and the U and the C in the name Chuck were in a different color, so it stuck out because Chuck was so... University of Cincinnati. We love Chuck. Um, he's a Hall of Famer. So uh, rest in peace, uh, Chuck Mayshuck, and I'll be at the celebration on January 31st. So uh, let's jump into the podcast. Uh, I definitely want to talk about uh, the Bearcats. But first, before I do that, you know, I was putting together some thoughts uh, for this podcast and, you know, I definitely wanted to um, preview the next three games, recap the last four games and jump into all that. So I took down some notes and then I kind of go off my head with different thoughts I have. And gosh, right after I think I, I wrote it up, I got a phone call that said, Kobe Bryant is dead. And I'm like, there's no way. And throughout this day, and it's it's 9.45 p.m. Uh, right now, and I found out this afternoon that, that, that Kobe had passed away of a um, accident related to a helicopter. Um, I'm not sure exactly the details of it, but um, I think it went into a mountain, I believe, and crashed and, and burned. And his his daughter, uh, gosh, this is even just tough to even think about and say, is his 13 year old daughter, um, Gianna, was on the plane as well. And it's just it's uh, 
it's been it's just been a very very odd day um i'd be lying if 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 i said uh i i didn't have a stomach ache and headache pretty much from the time i heard that all the way till now it was just a really sick feeling and every time i scrolled through twitter um, looked on Facebook, um, Instagram, um, there was something related to Kobe, a picture, a headline, and I just, I, I still can't process that Kobe Bryant at age 41 is no longer with us, and he lost his daughter, who he, he truly, truly loved, and I, just two weeks ago, I was telling my friend, um, there was a, a video of Kobe and his daughter Gianna at the Lakers game, and they were sitting courtside, and there was a video that was going around Twitter, and Kobe was talking to his daughter about something that was going on on the court, and he was kind of breaking down basketball uh, for her. And I, I called my buddy, and I said, man, I'm telling you right now, Kobe's daughter is going to go down as the greatest female basketball player of all time. And, and, and the reason I said that was because we, we all know Kobe's mentality. And we know how hard he works, how much he loved the game of basketball. And you could start to see his daughter fall in love. You watch the videos and highlights of her playing and you could just see it. And I, it it's just a terrible it's a terrible loss and, and, and definitely RIP to the other um, uh, I think there were maybe three or four other people on the plane. They haven't released the names yet, but gosh, it's, it's just a terrible thing. Um, and my uh, producer, uh, Stu, is in the house, um, also contributor to the podcast. Um, Jonathan, a.k.a. Jay, is in the house. And I know for, for Stu, my producer, um, we've had this discussion before. Um, I'm a Jordan guy. And I come from the Jordan era, um, and I really feel like Kobe uh, went to flight school. He studied, you know, Michael Jordan. So I truly, truly appreciate Kobe's game, um, just because I think there were just so many parts of his game that he got from Michael Jordan. And Stu would often tell me, Kobe's the greatest player of all time. And I would tell him he's wrong. I still will tell him he's wrong. Um, but I respect um, his opinion with that. Um, he's a big Kobe fan. So, Stu, I want to give you the table. Um, just give me your thoughts on uh, on Kobe. I think better you than me because he's one of your favorite players of all time and your generation's uh, GOAT. No doubt, man. You know, um, it's crazy. I was at home, you know what I mean? I was at home watching the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl. And... Um, I got some messages. I, maybe I went, I went to another room, came back to my phone. I had some missed calls, some text messages, and it was like, "Bro, Kobe is dead." I'm like, "Kobe ain't dead, right?" I'm like, <laughs> it's, it, 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 you, "You just, it, you can't process." That I'm like, "Kobe Bryant is dead." Yeah, I'm like, "Kobe Bryant's not dead." I'm like, "There's no way he's dead." You know, he just with social media. You see people post stuff, you know what I mean? I'm like, he just posted something about LeBron less than 24 hours ago. You know, there's no way. Everybody's just talking about how LeBron is about to pass him and all of that stuff. Pictures were put on social media of him shaking LeBron's hand. I'm like, Kobe's not dead. This is somebody's playing around. Somebody's being silly. There's no way that Kobe Bryant is dead. You know, for me, I grew up and Kobe was my, my idol. 
you know, anybody that knows me knows that, like, I looked up to Kobe so much. I tried to be Kobe in every possible way. Yeah. When he had the fro, I had the fro. Yeah. I wore number eight. When he cut his hair, I cut my hair. He, he moved to 24, I moved to 24. Wow. And wow. so, you know. And, and, and real quick, mm-hmm. Stu, that's the impact that Michael Jordan had for, for me and a lot of mm. of people from, you know, our generation. So to hear you say that, this this death, trust me, has impacted a lot of people, but I think your generation, it hits even harder. Yeah. yeah. Just the things you said, like you Man. had the fro. Yes. You had the number. He switched, you switched. Any band he had, oh, he got an armband? I'm wearing an armband. Yep. Oh, he, he, got, he brought out the leg sleeve up. Oh. I got the leg sleeve. I I had everything, man. I really tried to mimic him and his moves, his footwork, his game, his tenacity, the mama mentality. uh, It's something that I tried to carry over. You know, as a kid, I was like more of a quiet and shy kid. Mm -hmm. But when I saw him play and I'm like, I can act like that on the court, though. Right. You right. know, and I and you I could be a different person on the court. You could be a different person, and that alter ego. I'm like, I gotta have that. I gotta have that. If I'm if I'm gonna be as good as I as I possibly can, I gotta have that that mama mentality. And so I started to watch him, and I started to adapt. And uh, man, I really tried my hardest to be him. And I think that's the impact he had on, like you said, our entire generation. No doubt. Because either either he was your favorite player. It seems like, or he, or you hated him, <laughs> because either he, either either <laughs> but you, you were, respected, him. but you always respected him for sure. Because he moved the game forward. Because you need that person that either you're you're rooting for him or you're rooting against him because he's killing the team that you're rooting for. For sure, you know. And like you said, everybody at the end of the day had that respect. And we seen that commercial when he was retiring, when you know fans were saying it to him like. Man, I, I I enjoyed hating you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah, it was all part of the the story that was of a the great game. Commercial. It was a great commercial. It man. was it was so on point. It was. Um, tell me if you feel this. I felt that Kobe was on track after he retired to have an even bigger impact than when he played. And follow me on this. You could score thousands of points win thousands of championships but nothing is more important than the relationship of a father and their and their child and you could just see the relationship that he and his daughter had the excellence that he was raising her with we didn't get to see that you know his other daughters as much in the limelight because they're younger but the 13 year old I think his impact of not only helping his daughter, but with that uh, mama mentality facility, I guess they have going on those teams. There were so many girls that he was helping, mm-hmm. teaching the game of basketball, and I think things he's doing media wise. Um, I think, man, I think he was set to do some great things, like beyond yeah. the court that was going to end up, yeah. you know, bigger than even what he did on the court. Right. I remember. Um I coached basketball, and I think it was when I was coaching in eighth grade. Um, I was talking to my team in the classroom. We just got done watching the film. And I was talking to them about um, making sure that you know the difference between what you do and who you are. Mm. And I, I brought up I brought up Kobe. Yeah. And I said, Kobe said, because pe- when he said he was retiring, people were like, come on, Kobe, you going to come back. 
you, you you love it too much. You Kobe. You gonna come back? I, I still think. I, I still thought that. Like, yeah, yeah. He, he was like just because of his mentality. Because and he and this he said these words. He said, "Nah, man, I'm gonna be perfectly fine. Basketball is something I did. It's not who I am." Mm-hmm. And I'm looking like, "Come on, Kobe." Yeah. You're Kobe. What do you mean it's not yeah. who you are? Like, you know, that's what we know you for. Like right. that all the time you put in, what do you mean it's not who you are? Right. You put in more time than anybody. And then I and I realized like, wow, man. And that's what I told my team. I'm like, just because something is not who you are doesn't mean you can't give it all you have. Right. And it's like you can still put time and time and try to put in all the effort to be the best you possibly can be, but you can still uh, have that difference between it be, not being who you are. Yeah. And I thought that was amazing, man. And he showed that after his career. Like, man, yeah. it really wasn't who he is. He was killing it. Man, he was making films. He was writing books. That's what he I'm was, saying. He He's... was doing so much, and he was just getting started with that. He was a rookie and when it, it came to that stuff. He he was. He was. And if you look at it, like, his maturity level towards the end of his career was at such a high level. Like, I think Kobe's a great example of somebody that, went through pretty much what you could consider a career ending um situation with the, with the whole um uh, situation that happened i guess was it in colorado or 2003. yeah 2003 any any you know reinvented himself and and apologized and you know you can't fault the man kobe was at this point like how he's matured and and what he was doing just unbelievable and i got a i got a quick story and then i want um jay to say a couple words because i saw you post something i want you to say something about this but um kobe had quite a few bearcat connections i don't know if you guys know this but um i will tell you three of them um one was my old teammate reuben patterson who played for the lakers and reuben patterson um obviously had a nice nba career but he was really really known for a comment he made do you remember that comment of course he called himself the, the kobe stopper the kobe stopper <laughs> that's right and and kobe has has since talked about that and uh has joked and, and laughed about that so that's one bearcat connection the other bearcat connection is nick van exel mm-hmm. and kobe has, has has come on record and talked about the greatness of nick van exel who um, just so everybody knows out there, Nick Van Exel is my favorite Bearcat player of all time. Like, no question, no offense to Kenyon Martin, who's my my teammate and one of my favorites ever, but Nick Van Exel is number one. Um, and then the third connection is Corey Blunt, who Corey Blunt played for the Lakers, played with Kobe. Um, when Kobe scored the, uh, what was it, 81 points, the, the last, I guess the last game, um, Corey was there. Um, took pictures with uh, with the Mamba, so there are a lot of Bearcat connections uh, to to Kobe Bryant. So uh, Jay, if you could grab the mic real quick, um, and um, and we'll do this quickly so we can uh, jump in a couple things here related to Bearcats. But um, your 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 friend, um, your your best friend, um, passed away at one point, and um, he met Kobe. Is that correct? Yeah, with the Can Make you- a, with the Make a Wish Foundation. Uh- I remember when Will met Kobe and he took Could a picture. Take him, take him back to who Will is and give him yeah. the full name and everything. Yeah, yeah. So his name is William Cox, graduated from Princeton High School in 2013. Um, that was my best friend. When I mo- moved to Cincinnati, it was like my brother. And um, it's just crazy because, you know, we used to argue. <laughs> Stu and I, William, we'd be at practice. Mm-hmm. 
and I used to cry, like be so mad mm -hmm. because I'm from Ohio, so I love LeBron okay. and I love Kobe too. But I used to be like, man, like LeBron ain't better, you know, right. whatever. And we used to really get into it over that. And those memories I'll never forget. Like I remember playing 2K with William and there was a time <laughs> we were in Memphis and um, we were maybe playing Madden, but Will had broke Stu's. Yeah, <laughs> he he broke his Xbox. Okay. And Stu always had that mama mentality. Like when we were playing, he'd be like, come on, like y'all gotta be, y'all gotta be stronger. Mm -hmm. And even though that Kobe was my favorite player growing up, I grew to really respect him and, lo and love his game because it was bigger than basketball. Like the mentality of right. just his aggressiveness. I remember my dad would always tell me to just be more aggressive and have that mental toughness. And mm -hmm. I didn't understand that at yeah. a young age, but I get it. And um, it's weird because I just bought the Mama Mentality book like two to three weeks ago. Did you really? I just bought it at Barnes wow. Noble. Wow. And Kobe inspired me um, as a basketball player. He inspired me to uh, write, to get my book out, The Misunderstood Millennial, to start a book series because he's, he's wrote a plethora mm -hmm. of books. And then also um, just for him to have an Oscar and to do what he's done with Dear Basketball, to be a family man. Yep. Being in L.A., that's my favorite city. Like he was somebody I looked up to just as a West Coast legend for me. Yeah, for and, sure. And then when Nipsey had passed, I'm like, dang, like L.A.'s losing all these legends. But it's just a, such a surreal, it's a weird feeling seeing this because Kobe is like, nah, this is somebody that you, you feel like won't ever die. Right. You look at him, that's going to be like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Bill yeah, Russell. Yeah, I, you, you hit that spot that's on. That's what I thought. I, I feel like, yes, he's going to he's gonna die of old age. I, I thought for sure. Yep. And he's – so Kobe was 41. I'm 43. So I got to tell you guys a story real quick. So um, coming up, uh, I was a junior in high school, and I was playing AAU basketball. And we were playing in one of the biggest tournaments, um, and it was up in northern Ohio. And um, we were playing – there were four courts. It was a four-court facility. And we were on one court. We had just finished up a game. And we played this guy named Earl Boykins. Do you guys know who Earl Boykins is? Short. The short guy. One of the shortest guys ever playing in the NBA. He might be the shortest. I'm not him or Muggsy Bogues. I'm not light sure. Dude. Muggsy Bogues was the light-skinned dude. Earl Boykins was about your complexion. Okay. But um, so anyway, on the court, pretty much catty corner to where we were, there was a guy playing. And you got to remember, this was back in the 90s. We had no internet. We didn't have high school coverage on TV just wasn't a thing, okay? Mm -hmm. Shoot, the NBA barely got the coverage they needed to. Um, but there was a guy playing on the court, catty corner to us. We didn't know his name. All we knew was, hey, man, let's go watch that uh, Michael Jordan-looking dude. That's what everybody was saying. Was like, oh, man, that Michael Jordan-looking dude's a beast. Ball head, wristband up to his elbow, baggy shorts. Kobe Bryant. So we were in the same facility. He was playing on the court right now. Also, Steve Nash was was playing in the same tournament. But I'll never forget that. And obviously, Kobe goes on to be, you know, a, a, a great star. But just just a sad situation. And uh, I know you've done a lot of things for uh, Will. Can you tell him what he passed away of? Uh, yeah, he passed away in 2013 from brain cancer, DIPG, um, diffuse intrinsic ponzing glioma. It's the same disease mm -hmm. as uh, Lauren Hill. Yep. And um, – you know, I helped run the foundation, the Iowa Awareness Foundation, when we helped uh, raise awareness and funds for pediatric brain cancer research. And I remember when Will, uh, before he passed away, I didn't even know he was doing this. 
he always uh, wanted to meet Kobe, but his final wish was to meet Kobe. Uh -huh. So there's a picture that's been pretty uh, famous, at least in this area of Cincinnati, of Kobe and William. And now it's just so uh, even more legendary to me mm -hmm. on this picture because, you know, Will was in it and then now Kobe. It's like, man, like two legends gone too soon. You know, William was 18, yeah. Kobe's 41. And then even just to think about uh, Gigi at 13, she has so much potential Crazy. on the great things uh, that she could have done. And, um, you know, I've seen things on Twitter and social media, and I saw somebody tweet, like, I can only imagine um, the power of what Kobe was trying to do to uh, comfort her in the final moments, knowing what was coming. And I know that's that's what's so heartbreaking to a lot of us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. You know, so. Sad situation, man. I um, appreciate you guys' uh, input into this. I'm glad you guys are here to talk about it because I know Stu's such a big Kobe fan. I know mm -hmm. your, your connection with, with Will, and I saw you post that picture, and I'm like, oh, this is this is perfect. And, and just Kobe's relationship with a lot of the former, uh, you know, Bearcat players. So appreciate you guys. Um, and also, real quick, um, you guys have a podcast together. Can you shout it out real quick? Stu, you want to? Yeah, won't you shout out the podcast? Podcast is the good podcast. Good, uh, good. very good, very good. Uh, with my boy Jay Thomas, man, uh, we release it every Monday morning. Um, so it's a weekly podcast, and so you can go to Apple Podcast. So if you have an iPhone, you definitely have the Apple Podcast app. A lot of people don't even know realize they have it, but it's the purple icon. Um, and then also we it's on Spotify. So uh, those two those are the two ways you can go and listen to it. Our Instagram is Good Podcast, and that's good with three O's. Good, um, and so good. you can go good, good. <laughs> so good with three O's. Good podcast. You can go and check us out, man. We greatly appreciate the follow. Yeah, um, just talking about real personal stories that uh that we experiences that we've had and um yeah man what we learned from it so and i think you guys need a kobe podcast you guys need to do that your guys Absolutely. podcast is good because it's very positive everything's positive it's just mm -hmm. giving good feedback i think to um everything's good there good, we go good <laughs> well, uh, speaking of that i'm going to transition into talking about the bearcats who are playing good uh, they've won three of their last four games, so they're trending in the right direction. So let's let's go over these uh, three games. Uh, well, actually, the four games they've played. Uh, UCF, which is a road game, they won 68 to 54. I was a little concerned with this game. They were down three at halftime, and it's just like, oh god, here we go, struggling on the road again. But second half, they really got it together. 42 points in the second half. Trey Scott with a double double. Um, and Trey Scott, I'm going to talk about him a little bit later, but he's been very, very clutch this season. I think a lot of Bearcat fans don't give him enough credit for so many small things that he does, little nuances of the game that I think the casual observer misses. We had three guys in double figures, which I think was very, very important. Uh, of course, Justin, uh, I'm sorry, Justin, uh, uh, Jaron Cumberland with seven assists. Um, and I think, too, we out-rebounded them. 34 to 22 so i see the ucf game uh second half we're playing well and once again just like i think during this season a lot of times fans it's like are we turning the corner are the bearcats starting to get it and you're, you're like ah we're almost there so then we go and play memphis on the road and you know the the, the tough thing about you know I guess back-to-back -back road game. Road games are, and listen, I don't, I don't care what league you're in, what team you're on. 
I, I don't care if you're the number one team in the I think Baylor's number one team in the country. I don't care wh- who you are, where you go. Road games are tough, and, and they're tough for a lot of different reasons. Um, th- you know, these are young people, okay? You're traveling. You're getting out of your routine. You're out of your comfort zone. You're not sleeping in your own bed. And there's just anything could knock you out of your routine when you're on the road. And, and, and we know if a Jaron Cumberland's off or or Chris isn't playing, big big Chris isn't playing well, or Javen, like anything could happen to throw their routine off to play poorly on the road. So road games are, are tough. And, you know, if you can win on the road in conference, you'll take it. Um, so, you know, hey. Listen, they travel down to play Memphis. Memphis is obviously one of the the better teams in the conference, um, and not not the best road game. Uh, lost uh, sixty to forty nine. Um, you know, another game we started slow in the first half, and that's something. You know, if we can consistently see this basketball team put together two halves for more than one game, maybe two games, maybe three, I think then at that point we're going to say, okay, this Bearcat team has turned the corner. Uh, I think we were down 20-31 to 31 in the first half, and in the second half we tied it 29-29. to 29. Um, And listen, <clears throat> Jaron Cumberland played 37 minutes. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jaron Cumberland still is not fully healthy. And, I, and I'm telling you for a fact um, – I know Jaron is he, he's gutting it out. He is fighting through a lot of different um, nagging injuries that's at times preventing him from playing at, at the highest level, what we've seen before, the, the Jaron we know. So we get glimpses of Jaron and sometimes even games where you're like, that's the Jaron Cumberland of the past. Um, and a lot of it has to do with, with health. Um, and obviously, he's making a transition into a new system, um, playing a different style. and That factors into it. But I think more so the health has been a bigger issue. Um, listen, I know the Memphis game, there's there's really the, the biggest thing to talk about is is the refereeing. The refereeing at the end of the game. Now, I'm not saying if the refereeing was a little different that we, we definitely win that game. We could have possibly had a chance to win the game. But some of those no calls at the end. And, I, and if you ever follow me on social media, especially on Twitter, I never talk about the referees. And I mentioned something about the referees that game because there were some no calls. There was there was poor officiating on both sides, not, not just the Bearcat side. Uh, no calls that that should have been made, uh, which really impacted, I think, the game. Um, the Bearcats had 38 rebounds a game. Uh, we had 16 turnovers. Uh, Jaron had six of the uh, 16 turnovers. And, and I mentioned rebounds and turnovers a lot. And I'm going to get into that a little bit later on why rebounding and cutting down the turnovers are so very important for this Bearcat team. Now listen, Memphis is beatable. Memphis is going to have to come to our place. I think we play them, gosh, maybe like February 13th we play them. And and I think that's going to be another crucial game because we know, listen, this Bearcat team is going to have to win some high-quality games to make the NCAA tournament. We still have a chance because college basketball has been all over the place. There hasn't been – I think consistent play from a lot of college basketball teams. You see upsets left and right. So this Bearcat team still has a chance, but we've got to win some of these games like 
at Memphis, or I'm sorry, Memphis at home um, at Wichita State. We've got to win those games. So let, let's talk about, so we go from uh, beating UCF on the road, losing to Memphis on the road, then playing ECU at home. Now you look at this and say, we should, we should easily beat ECU. I'm going to tell you what. This Bearcat team handled business. They did what they were supposed to do. They won 82-57. to 57. They beat them from start to finish. The guys were having fun, throwing the ball off the backboard, slam dunk. Trey, with another, Trey Scott with another double-double. It was good to see some of the bench guys get minutes. And I think we need to see that a little bit more as, we move, as we're moving forward. We need to see these uh, bench guys get some more minutes and give us some more production. Um, see, Jaron ended up, I think, 13-7. and seven. Still getting, I mean, Jaron can pass the basketball. He gets the basketball to his teammates in positions to score, positions to be effective. He's a willing passer. He's a very good passer. Turnovers, uh, I think we had 12, the ECU game. I, st I still say this. We've got to keep these turnovers under 10. If we can keep the turnovers under 10, we win every basketball game we're in. Cutting down on turnovers just gives us extra possessions. It keeps the other team from getting easy breakout buckets. Just trust me. Under 10, we win the basketball game. So we beat ECU at home. Go travel, play Temple on the road. And it's like, okay, what Bearcat team are we going to see on the road? Uh, we struggled a little bit. We go from winning games to losing on the road. Winning games, losing on the road. So here we go, winning a game at Temple. We win, 89-82. Now, <clears throat> it was a close game at half. So once again, I was concerned. But they just found a way to grind out this game. And it was good to see them get a win, a grind-out win, when it was a little bit close, you know, towards the end, on the road. And they could have easily lost this game. Uh, one good sign is we had uh, 30 fast-break points. And I had a conversation with Coach Brandon a couple weeks ago about this team. And one of the things that he said, he said to me, he said, Meech, you know, we don't really fast-break that much. And fast-breaks are a big part of Coach Brandon's style and his system. And trying to make the adjustment with, you know, you got to look at your personnel and you got to look at your style of play. And, you know, based on personnel, the way they've been playing, they've, they've not been able to fast break to the liking of Coach Brandon. So it was good to see them get out and uh, get 30 fast break points. So um, another game, uh, 12 turnovers, which getting closer. It's two games back to back with 12 turnovers. Still need to get under 10. Trey Scott. Another double-double. I'm telling you, we're going to look back at Trey Scott and realize the value that this guy's having on the program. I'm, I'm telling you, Trey Scott's a, a big key moving forward. Um, big Chris had 18 points. Um, he had 18 points. I think, he only, I think he only had five made baskets. A lot of his points were from the free throw line. Uh, Jaron Cumberland had 22 points. Uh, we won the rebounding edge again, which is great. Um, I love when we win the rebounding um, edge and, 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 we, and we cut our turnovers down. It was good to see Javen knock down some shots. And I told you, the key ingredients for this basketball team, if, if nothing else goes right and these three, three, these three things go right, we're in good shape. And that is Jaron Cumberland being Jaron Cumberland, Javen knocking down shots, and getting the ball to Big Chris in the post. Big Chris can turn and score if he catches it in a certain spot 100% uh, he scores. If not, 
He's getting to the free throw line. And the other great thing about getting the ball to Big Chris is he's a willing passer. He'll pass out of a double team. He'll pass when he needs it. If he's guy, he'll pass it. It's not, a, it's not a black hole. So if those three things are happening consistently in games, in multiple games, we're going to win. So, okay, let's, let's, we talked about those four games. Let's preview the next uh, three games. And for those that listen to my podcast are probably um, sick of hearing me say these three-game uh, mini-seasons I like to talk about. So these next three games are crucial. This is a crucial crucial stretch because the next three teams we play um, I think two of them are five and two and one of them is five and one in the conference so this is a huge conference game and like I said before college basketball is so crazy right now we've got to string together some quality wins and I think we'll be fine we'll make the NCAA tournament but we have to win these games Uh, SMU uh, right now they're 15 and four they're on a three-game winning streak now, SMU is 5-2 and two in the league right now. Um, and I, these are one of those games that, obviously, very important for, for league status. But also, it's a game. It's at home. Uh, and I do worry about Tuesday night conference games. In the middle of the week, it's cold as hell in Cincinnati. Kids going to class, players going to class, the, 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 the crowd's late to arrive at games, people have work, other their, their children's games. So my hope is that we have a big crowd, the crowd's going crazy, that helps energize the players. Because And I've played, I've played for the Bearcats, and I know those Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday night games in the middle of the winter during the, the um, uh, school year, they're tough. We need the crowd to energize the players. Jaron Cumberland needs to set the pace for this game. So um, I'm thinking we still beat we beat SMU, um, and then we've got Houston. Houston playing well, five and one in the league. Um, they've won a bunch of close games, and you know that that always worries me when you you got a team that's won close games, and that means you can't let them hang around. If you let them hang around, uh, you put them in a position to win. Um, and they've won a bunch of those games. So they have some balanced scoring. Um, but we need to make sure that we keep them off the offensive glass. Once again, I'm back talking about rebounds. Uh, but I'll tell you what, um, beat SMU. We play Houston at home. I'm telling you right now, I think that's a Saturday night game, 6 o'clock, whiteout. Crowd's going to be pumped up for that. The crowd's going to be crazy. That's a another huge conference game. So if we win that, it gives us two wins out of this three-game uh, mini season, which then takes us to, I think it sets the stage for one of the biggest row games of the year at Wichita State, who cur- who's currently 5-2 and two in the league. And this is this is the game I've been personally waiting for because I don't since the league since Wichita State came in the league I've always looked at them as a big rival. Um, I, I really love Wichita's style of play. Um, at Wichita State is crazy. Their arena gets rocking. I remember talking to Gary Clark after they played at Wichita State one time, and he said, man, it, it seemed like there was an earthquake going on in there. It was so loud. I, I couldn't hear coach. I couldn't hear myself talk. So it's a great environment to play in. And Wichita State loves beating us. They love when the Bearcats come to town. Um, and I'm, I happen to be friends with two of the walk-ons for Wichita State, and 
trust me, that crowd and that team is going to be pumped and ready for the Bearcats to come in, especially if the Bearcats are able to hold it down and beat SMU in Houston. Um, but here's the thing. We have to have a better first half, okay? When we play Wichita State at Wichita State, We've got to have a good first half. And then the second half, we have to cut down on their runs, minimize their runs. What happens is when you go on the road, a team starts to go on a run, the crowd starts going crazy, coaches have to call a timeout. And if you don't come out of that timeout and stop that run and they keep making a run, you're getting blown out. We'll, we'll get blown out if we don't – and listen – Every team makes runs. Wichita State's going to make runs. Coach is going to have to call a timeout at some point. Can our leadership, um, guys like Trey Scott, Jaron, step up, Keith Williams, and say, listen, we're, we're not going to let them go on another run. Uh, and, and listen, Jaron, <laughs> Jaron's got to be the man. And he's got to step up, and I, th- I, think he's, I think he's healthy again. Um, and he's just got to be the, the the player of the year in the conference. He's got to play like that. And I think that's – Wichita State expects the best Bearcat team to come in that arena that night. They're going to be ready. Um, get the ball to Big Chris, too. Get get Wichita State in some foul trouble. Uh, hopefully, Javen's knocking down some shots to stretch out that defense. And um, if, we, if we can get through these three games and win all three, I'm telling you now, watch out. This Bearcat team has turned the corner. All right, let me give you my Beast of the Week award. I mean, I think it's evident to me. Trey Scott, all these double-doubles that he's getting right now. He's the emotional leader. Uh, he's a double-double machine. And like I said, I do not think fans give him enough credit for all the things he's doing to help this basketball team. So, hey, listen, um, I, I want to talk really quickly about I've, I've been wanting and I, I put out on social media that – um, I'm going to have Ryan Fletcher, former Bearcat, um, on the show. I'm going to do an interview with him. Uh, we've got to get that finished up and get that aired. Um, it's a, it's going to be great. Trust me. Uh, some great stories. Uh, we're going to get this podcast out, and then we're going to get that uh, shortly after that. And things have been pretty hectic with the holidays and a lot of stuff going on. But I promise you, we're going to have more former players on. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna knock out some more podcasts. I know I see the tweets. I see people saying, "Hey, you need to put out another podcast." And that that makes me happy that you want to hear more stuff. Uh, so I promise more stuff's coming. And also, I didn't forget. I'm going to engage some fans in the podcast. We're definitely going to make that happen. So you can hit me up on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Alex underscore Meacham, M-E-A-C-H-A-M. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Snapchat, all the other social media outlets. Um, listen, I want to thank everybody for listening to episode seven. Man, you know what would have been crazy? It would have been crazy if this was episode number eight. Wow. Just think if we finished up, um, I know we haven't been able to finish up the Ryan Fletcher interview, and that was seven, and then this was eight. That would have been, that would have been real, real crazy. But um, listen, R.I.P. Chuck Mayshuck, a uh, Bearcat legend, and also R.I.P. Kobe Bryant, um, <laughs> a basketball legend. Well, thank everybody for listening to another episode of the. Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham. Go Bearcats.